you have your Bibles, you can turn in them to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, the verses we're going to be looking at are in the bulletin there. In the inside of your bulletin, there's also a place there to take notes. Um, before we look at the, at, the, at the passage that we're going to be focused on today, I just want to spend a little bit of time um, setting up why we're looking at this particular passage and remembering where we've been in the series that we're doing on rest. Right? We're in this series on rest. It's called it's Sermons for Sabbath. And we've seen that it is so important for us that, that Jesus makes such a big deal and God makes such a big deal for us to take one day off every week, a 24-hour period of time uh, where we stop working, um, make it a sacred day to both pray and play. Um, we stop our work, we worship God, we rest and we enjoy ourselves. And doing this every week is a powerful rehearsal. Okay, every time we do this, every week that we do this, it's a rehearsal of things that we've seen. It reminds us that time is going somewhere. Okay, this is not, we are not in an endless, pointless cycle, but time is moving forward to God's renewal of all things. It also reminds us that Jesus has already saved us. Okay, the gospel has gotten a hold of our lives, and we don't have to do anything to save ourselves. Okay, we are saved, loved, and liked by God. And our eternal future is secure. The Sabbath reminds us of that. And then the Sabbath means freedom from slavery. Right? We are set free. Taking a Sabbath rest helps you to unplug and to be free from the slavery to the economy and to the entertainment that can snare us and draw us down. And taking Sundays off does one more thing. Um, it frees us from busyness. It frees us from busyness. And that's what we're going to look at today. Um, and we need this, don't we? I mean, I need this. <laughs> I need this. Um, and I think there are some people who would see me in my position talking about this, and they would joke. Well, sometimes they wouldn't joke. And they'd say, Pastor, talking about busyness? What does he know? He works one day a week. And it's an hour. Come on, really? Like, what do you know about busyness? Um, it's not true. It's not true. Busyness is a constant struggle for me. Um, Preaching, I mean, prep, you know, preparing for preaching. I read a stat today that I thought was ridiculous. It said you need to spend an hour in preparation for every minute that you preach. No, well, I don't. I mean, if I did, then I literally would do nothing else. Um, but so I've got to, I have to preach. I also have to lead the church, to manage the staff. I have to develop leaders. I have to care for people. I have to respond to people with phone calls, emails, meetings. Um, I love it. I absolutely love it but it's never finished, right? You have a job like that, that no matter how much you do, you just know going in, it's never ever going to be finished. I mean, it's hard having a job that never ends. Um, and then outside of work, I work hard at having a healthy marriage and strong relationships with four kids. Okay, then I live on mission. So I'm actively trying to seek out and build relationships and share the gospel with people who don't know Jesus. Um, plus, I exercise regularly, or at least I try to. Um, and then I try to stay connected to my mom and my dad and my brother. Um, in all of this, in all of this, I also want to continually deepen my relationship with God. And so when I saw this book, I thought, oh man, someone understands. You seen this? It's called Crazy Busy. The subtitle, you can't read, it's a mercifully short book about a really big problem. It's like, oh, someone gets it. 
right? We feel this crazy busy. Um, at the art show that our church put on in 2009, I saw this photograph and I bought it because I thought, man, someone has seen me. I've been that person over and over and over again. And, and look, I don't say this because I think my job and my life is more difficult than yours. I just say rather that I too understand what it's like to be crazy busy. I know what it's like to have a schedule that is fuller than we have time for. Um, and it's important for us to remember that busyness causes stress. Causes stress. I read one physician this week who said this, if your body never knows when the next stop day is coming, okay, if your body doesn't know when you're going to get a chance to rest, it sends out stress hormones. And when we're under stress long term, our bodies produce a stress hormone that's called cortisol. And cortisol production contributes to a host of medical conditions, including diabetes, heart disease, weight gain, acne, depression, anxiety, sleep disruption, digestive problems, and memory and concentration impairment. So the bottom line here is that constant stress doesn't just make us tired and grumpy, it makes us sick. It makes us sick. Our bodies need both stress and release. Right? You know that about your muscles. If you work out at all, you understand that you can't just go all the time, constantly, nonstop. You've got to stress and release. And to not have an end date. Right? That was the key that I thought in that article that I read about that, by, by that, that, my, that doctor. If, there's not a, if you don't have an end date, it's bad for your body. And God says it's also bad for your spirit. And so what do we do? What do we do? Do you see to cut stuff out? It's not that simple. It's not that simple. Some of us do need to cut things out of our schedules, but that's not the answer by itself because for most of us, even if we were to cut things out of our lives, it wouldn't fix anything because for most of us, the problem isn't that we do too much. Um, here's the real problem, okay? The real problem, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this on the top line of your message notes. This is the real problem, that busyness over Jesus equals barrenness. Okay? It's not just busyness, but it's busyness over Jesus equals barrenness. If you allow your busyness to take precedence over your relationship with Jesus, you will live a barren life. So I want to show you a story from the life of Jesus. Um, there's someone in the Bible who has the same problem that we have. Okay, and I want you to see how Jesus responds to, to her and the problem. Okay, and I want you to see the news that Jesus shares. So let's look here at Luke 10, verses 38 to 42. Put it in your bulletin. It says this, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me here to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. 
Friends, this is God's word. So Jesus shows up at this woman's house, and Martha thinks, oh man, we have a guest. We've got a guest. Now in that culture, hospitality was right next to godliness. Okay? One of the chief values of that culture was hospitality. If someone showed up at your house, you had to treat them like family. I mean, even to the sacrifice of anything else, the sacrifice even of your own family members, you would treat them better and like they were part of your family. And so Martha goes to work. Uh, but it's not just any work. Martha realizes, hold on, wait, wait a second. This isn't just a guest. This is Jesus. Right? This is not just a guest. This is the Son of God. Right? This is God's anointed King, the Messiah that all of Israel has been waiting for, the Savior of the world. I need to prepare something fit for a king. And so she goes to work, and she pulls out all the stops, starts making a feast. And then, pretty soon, she realizes, hey, 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 I'm the only one working here. I'm the only one doing anything. I'm the only one who seems to care about hospitality. I'm the only one who's treating Jesus in the worthy way that he should be treated. And so she gets bitter and she complains. Friends, this is what happens to us, isn't it? Isn't this what happens to us? And Martha's crazy busy. She wants to have Mary join with her. Right? And this is what our busyness does to us and to the people around us, doesn't it? I found this YouTube video that I think beautifully illustrates what happens to us. Look, Jesus, tell Martha to come, tell Mary to come work with me. Tell her she's got to be as busy as I am. Make her. Ah! Martha's. I mean, literally, there it is. There it is, right? It's not, <laughs> feel free to clap. Six million views on YouTube. You can look it up. Two hamsters, one wheel. Man, this is hilarious. But friends, this is our life. Like, this is our life. And we start complaining, so-and-so needs to be like this with us. They get in, and pretty soon, both of us are spiraling out of control. Spiraling out of control. And so she goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, fix this. She knows what the problem is. Right? She knows what the problem is. The problem is that she's the only one working hard enough to serve Jesus. Well, how does Jesus address her? Look what he says. He says, Martha... Martha, he says it twice. I mean, who knows, but maybe because the first time she didn't hear him. Maybe she complained and then returned to her grumbling and self-righteous service. Right? You ever done that? Jesus, make her help. You know, and then she's going back to doing her thing, feeling self-righteous, feeling better than, feeling like she's the only one worthy of really Jesus' time. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, stop. Stop. In the past, I've, had to, I've trained my kids 
that when they call me, it's not dad, it's dad, dad, dad. What are you yelling at me for? I'm right here. Well, it's because the first two times we said dad, you didn't listen. Because in my busyness, my mind was somewhere else. And I wasn't present in the moment. But Jesus makes her stop. He wants to make sure to address this in her life. She thinks the problem is that she's the only one busy. Jesus says, no, that's not the problem. And the problem is that you're putting your busyness ahead of me. You're putting your busyness over me. Verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. So let's, let's try to enter into this just for a second. If the President of the United States were coming over to your house, and I know some of you would love to have President Obama come into your home, others of you would love it if it was President Bush who was coming to your home, but if, if the President were coming over, man, hospitality, if you find out, if he just shows up at your door, hospitality isn't spending the whole time preparing a feast. Right? I mean, if you have a week's notice, then, yeah, pull out all the stops, roll out the red carpet, do everything you possibly can to demonstrate how worthy the guest is or how unworthy you feel or how honored you are, right? But if someone just shows up for you to disappear into the kitchen, I mean, even if it's to make a meal, is rude. It's rude. I mean, she's literally putting her serving above Jesus. And this is what we do, right? We are constantly saying yes to things, aren't we? We're constantly adding things. And as we add things, more and more things into our lives, right? Jesus and our relationship with Him, our time with Him, our time spent loving Him, honoring Him, we just ignore Him. And we wonder, right? We wonder. How often have you exploded at someone around you who didn't deserve it? Right? Like these poor babies. How often have you been the balloon? I'm serious. Like I've been this way, right? Sometimes it is this huge explosion. That's kind of what's going on with Martha, right? She has this outburst, this angry outburst. Jesus, what the heck? Jesus, make her help. Jesus, this isn't fair, right? For us, it's usually not, we don't even, I mean, we don't even come close to complaining to Jesus about it. We just start moaning and groaning and in bitterness, we start complaining, we yell, we scream, right? We explode, I mean, still other times, it's not necessarily an overt explosion, because I know not all of you are yellers, but sometimes we just, it's more passive-aggressive, right? We just detach, and we make people around us suffer, we punish them slowly and methodically. Friends, I mean, this is what our busyness does to us, as we continue to put our busyness over Jesus. And, he, and here's one way you can tell when your busyness is over Jesus is that it doesn't just make you barren, but it makes you bitter. Right? It makes you bitter. Because, again, how do you feel about people who aren't as busy as you are? 
How do you feel about people who don't seem to share your priorities? If you get bitter or angry, like there's, there's barrenness there that produces that. There's a dryness there that ex- is exposing some problems in your heart. I think here are just three ways I think that busyness leads to bitterness for us. Um, first, some of us say, I'm, I'm this busy because I have to be. Right? I don't have a choice. My boss makes me or I'm stuck. Right? I have no choice. Other times we say, well, I'm this busy because I need it. Like if I don't do all of this stuff, it won't get done. And it has to get done. You know, the situation needs me. And let's be honest, right? Some of us really like to feel needed, don't we? We like being indispensable. We like the approval of others. We like feeling like, man, if we didn't show up, boy, the whole thing would have fallen apart. At that point, what's happened is not necessarily that the situation needs you, but rather you need the situation. There's something inside of you that need for approval because you keep being busy even if Jesus is asking you to rest. And then third, I'm this busy because I love it. Right? I just love it. I don't, it doesn't even feel like work to me. I love working 80 hours a week. I'm sorry I don't have time for Jesus or church or relationships that might help me grow. I love my job. I love living life at a Mach 2 kind of speed where I'm completely overcommitted, but I love it. Um, man, for some, work is actually a joy and not a burden. And this is sort of the workaholic syndrome, where we work sometimes because it's our work that makes us feel significant. Where our work really is the identity that we live by, and, and our identity is wrapped up in our performance at work. And so with all of this, I want to reiterate, the answer isn't just doing less. Okay, it's not just doing less. Um, Here's something you can write down if you want. Um, Doing less can make you sane, but it can't make you satisfied. Okay, if all you do is cut things out, you will become more sane. There will be health increases in your life, but you won't be satisfied. Because busyness isn't the problem. It's busyness over Jesus that's what leads to barrenness. What Jesus says to Martha is that her priorities are misguided. She doesn't understand what's best. She says, Jesus says, you are distracted. You're distracted by many things and only one thing is necessary. So Jesus is saying to her in that situation, right? In that instance, he's saying, Martha, look, there are times for you to prepare the best but not while I'm here. Martha, the problem that has been created is that I'm here and you're not. That's the problem. There is one thing that you need when Jesus comes to you. Just one, one thing. And Jesus says, Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. Jesus says, no, I'm not going to correct Mary. I'm going to correct you and your busyness. And I think Jesus wants to correct our busyness as well. 
as I was reading this, thinking about it, studying it, I thought, hey, wait, wait, hold on. Right now, there, this, this is good news. <laughs> like, just for, for Jesus to say this, like, this isn't just Jesus reprioritizing life. This isn't just Jesus saying, hey, I'm more important than anything else that could be going on in your life. And if you're not spending time with me, then what are you spending time doing anyways? And why? Like, that's all true and that's in this passage. But what was exciting for me about this passage was that this means that Jesus wants to spend time with us. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about Jesus, but can I introduce you to the Jesus of the Bible? The Jesus of the Bible actually wants to spend time with you. The Jesus that came, God on earth, when Jesus came in the flesh, he wants to spend time with you. He doesn't just love you, but he likes you. And so Jesus would be delighted if you would spend time with him. Like, that's exciting. That Jesus doesn't go, oh man, seriously, Stephen again? Oh gosh. Man, Spirit, can you go this time? Do I have to go? I mean, no. Like Jesus delights when we spend time with him. He wants to spend time with us. And I was reading um, something written by Sally Clarkson. Um, she's one of my, one of my wife's favorite authors. Um, Lainey loves her because um, she's a mom um, and she's a writer and she's found hope in busyness. And so let me just give you something from a mom because moms, I know how hard this is for you. Like busyness is like sort of the subtitle for being a mom, right? Trying to take care of a house. And if you work, it's crazy, right? So, um, so this is what she says. This is Sally Clarkson. She said, when I find myself depleted, I stop and take stock of what's going on in my life. And I place the worries and anxieties in heaven. I place my worries and anxieties in heaven. I just, I give them to Jesus. I simplify my schedule. I plan a snack style dinner, maybe crackers and cheese or fruit and toast. And I break out the paper plates. I take a day off from regular commitments and I just plan to be still. I also plan simple pleasures, making time for several coffees or cups of tea, having a nap, watching a show or reading a magazine, which gives the little break I know I need. This is a wonderfully productive woman. who's written books, has spoken at conferences, and yet this is how she handles her schedule. She's not always running. She's not crazy busy. She said this, when my children were little, because <laughs> that's when it's really hard, on these burned out days, I would do whatever would free me for just a time. I'd break out the wonder bubbles, or I'd give a long bath with new bath toys to the kids. Maybe a Winnie the Pooh cartoon, a trip to the frozen yogurt cafe, or a quick jaunt to the park or playground. I crafted a way that I might have a break from the banter and the demands. She said, I know duty is bound to come, but I'll face it with courage tomorrow if I rest today when my body and my soul demands it. And then she said this, I've learned a secret. My Prince Jesus comes to me at just the right time. Like the story of Sleeping Beauty, the Prince comes not when she's searching the horizon, pounding her fists, running the floor, but the prince comes when the princess is asleep and do no, doing nothing 
but resting. This is what Jesus wants for all of us. This is why Jesus calls us to rest. And really, this is what the Sabbath is. It's a weekly call for us to rest and to sit at Jesus' feet and spend time with him. Okay? I mean, again, busyness over Jesus equals barrenness. Here's the second line in your, in your handout, in your bulletin. Jesus over busyness equals Sabbath. You want to know how to put Jesus over your busyness? Take a Sabbath. Observe the Sabbath. Because on this day, Jesus says to the Marthas, look, I know that you have demands, but you don't have to be so busy that you can't take a day for me. Whoever your boss is, I'm the most important boss you have. And I'm telling you, take a day off. He says to the Marthas, look, you don't need to be needed to feel whole. If you spend time with me, let me fill that part of your heart that needs to be needed. Jesus says, I need time with you. And so pause, just pause being needed for a day and spend time with me. And Jesus would say to those Marthas who love their work, he would say, I am glad you love your work. I love it too. The problem isn't that you love your work. The problem comes when you love your work more than you love me. When you put your work, your busyness over me, that's the problem. And so the Sabbath for us, it's a chance for us to hear to recite and to rehearse John 3:28. Okay? You want one verse for the Sabbath? Here it is. I am not the Christ. Right? Can can we all say this together? I am not the Christ. You just memorize a verse of the Bible. The good news of Christianity is that it's not up to you. Okay? The good news of Christianity is that, my child, my child, there isn't a single thing that you can add to what has been done for you. Jesus says, I did it all in my life and in my death. I have saved you to the uttermost in my resurrection. You are not the Savior of the world. And so as the Savior of the world, I'm telling you, you need to rest and just remember that it doesn't all depend on you. The Sabbath teaches you that you are not God. Observing the Sabbath is a rehearsal of that. The Sabbath is a reminder that you have limits. You have physical limits, you have emotional limits, you have relational limits, you have financial limits. You have, we're limited in every area of our lives. And if you've ever wondered, like, why did God make us this way? Why did God make life so difficult? Why did God make us have to eat? Well, because food is really awesome. But, I mean, besides that, like, why? 
right? Why did God make us so we'd have to eat? Why did he make it so that we have to sleep? It's because God wants us to know that we can't do life on our own. We just can't. We're not him, but we need him desperately. This is the purpose of the Sabbath. And when you remember that, when you rehearse that, when you say that to yourself and you pray it to the Lord, things begin to change. And you realize that your busyness is not going to make you satisfied. It's not going to make you satisfied. And so some of us do need to be less busy. Some of us. But all of us need to bring our busyness under Jesus. Okay? Because Jesus over busyness equals the Sabbath. So, um, and this doesn't mean that you can't still be busy. Okay? Jesus was busy. Jesus worked incredibly hard, but he's God, I get it, so maybe it doesn't count. Paul, right? Paul was, I wouldn't say crazy busy, because that seems like idolatrously busy, but Paul was incredibly busy. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Where is it? It's gone. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Write it down. I'll quote it for you right now. It says this. Paul said this. I worked harder than anyone else. So he's talking about the apostles, and he says, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that's within me. Paul said, I labored and I strived. It was like giving birth. That's how hard I worked to try to form Jesus in you, try to care for you and help you and shepherd you. Paul worked his butt off harder than anybody. And the difference, though, was that he put his busyness under Jesus. So what does that mean? Let me tell you exactly what it means to put your busyness under Jesus. Okay, you ready? It means taking the day off and making the day sacred. That's what it means to put your busyness under Jesus. Take the day off. Make it sacred. Observe the Sabbath. Look, I'm not even talking about the rest of your life. I'm just talking about one thing. Like, one thing Jesus asks for. One thing is necessary. He comes to us every week in church. And how many of us aren't even paying attention to what he has to say? Right? He comes to us one day a week and people aren't even here. Right? We let our busyness crowd out and crowd out Jesus, crowd out the relationships that are so vital for our spiritual health, and we wonder why we're barren. Right? We wonder why our lives don't work out the way we think they should. We wonder why our life feels like we're in a hamster wheel. There was someone begging on the street, you know, looking for food, and a passerby was walking by, and they said, sir, I need some food. And the, and the passerby pulled out his wallet. He had $140 in his wallet, 720s, and looked at the guy, looked at his wallet. He pulled out $120 and gave it to him. He said, have a nice day. Get yourself something nice. Do what you want. Put his wallet back in his pocket and walked on. The guy that was sitting there put the money in his pocket, stood up, 
chased the guy down, clubbed him over the back of the head, and stole the last $20 bill from his wallet. Friends, Jesus gives us seven days, right? We have seven days in a week. Jesus says, with six of those, do whatever you want. I'm just asking for one. I'm just asking for one day. How many of us, how many of us take the extravagant grace of God and we chase him down and we steal that last day for ourselves? The sad thing is that the reason we do it is because, well, we, we have to. It'll make us more productive or we have to get all this stuff done. And that's just not true. It's a lie. The last thing I want you to write on that third line in your bulletin, to write this down, priority determines productivity. It's priority that determines productivity. We think... <coughs> We think that if we are crazy busy, we get more done. We're more productive. And that's a lie. It's not true. Even you know, secular stuff that's out there, science has shown that seven plus zero is less productive than six plus one. But what Jesus is teaching us in this passage is that our priority is what determines our productivity. Jesus says, it's what you prioritize that will determine how productive you can be. Jesus says to Martha, listen, Martha, your busyness is not going to make you more productive. I mean, think about it. Like, which do you think would actually have the, the, the most lasting benefit? Making dinner for Jesus? Or sitting and listening to him teach? Which would more renew you? Which would more renew the people in the world that you know? Jesus says, Martha, your priorities are off. There are places in the Bible where it says that the Sabbath is a sign of the relationship that we have with God. It's like a sign of the mission that we are different people, right? We should do this in part because, you know what, it separates us. Like, we're going to do something that most people wouldn't do. We're going to take a day off, and we're going to set that aside to worship, uh, to be in community, to pray and to play, to enjoy ourselves in a way that unplugs from the economy, that unplugs from mindless entertainment, right? And to do that makes a difference, right? It, it's a sign that we are different, that we've been touched by Jesus, but friends, the Sabbath isn't just a sign of the mission. It's also part of the mission. Okay, when you're given orders in the military, right, these are clear instructions about what you're to do and the mission that you're to accomplish. Well, Jesus says marching orders include every week, I want you to take a Sabbath rest. This is part of the mission. Okay, it's not just a picture of something. It actually is part of who we are as God's people. Eugene Peterson said, it's because 
we will always have more commitments than we have time that the Sabbath is a command and not a suggestion. Okay, God doesn't say, if you have time, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And let me tell you what happens um, when you say yes to this. Okay? When you say yes to this, you become free to order the rest of your time. Okay? When you observe the Sabbath, then you've done the one thing that's needed. You've done the one thing that Jesus asks you for. And the rest is up to you. Think about that. It's kind of wonderful that at the beginning of the week, we can do the one thing that's needed. We can spend time with Jesus. And then Jesus says, man, awesome. Now go. And with the rest of the week, you are free. And, you, and what's cool, though, is that you can engage the rest of your week now not needing anything. See if you can track here with me. I don't know if I can explain this clearly enough. I hope I can. But you get to engage the rest of your life not needing to earn the approval of others because Jesus has approved you. Right? You can engage in your work um, not in a way that's going to cause you to compromise your, your time relationship with Jesus, like your time with Jesus, because you've already spent time with him. Right? You can enter into your relationships free to care. You can even enter into suffering because you know that your needs have been cared for. You have eternal life. Right? You have an inheritance that will never fade away. Right? In 70 years, you're going to be with Jesus at the beginning or partway into eternity. And so what can this life do to you? Right? When you do this, and this is why, again, this is why the Christians did this on the first day of the week, to celebrate the resurrection and the good news and the fact that their lives were now reoriented around this relationship with Jesus. When you do this and you make Jesus the priority of your week, um, it, it sets you free the rest of the week, but it will also have an impact on the rest of your week. Because as you realize the joy that comes from prioritizing Jesus over your busyness on Sunday, um, you'll begin to see the effect of that on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You'll actually begin to build something that one author calls margin in the rest of your lives, you'll realize, hey, wait a second. Priority determines productivity, not just with my relationship with Jesus, but this is also true at work. This is true at home. This is true in my relationships. And you begin to see the rest of your life begin to be affected by the rhythm of a weekly Sabbath observance. And so friends, I hope I hope you're convinced. I hope you're convinced that you've been anxious and troubled about so many things. And I hope you can hear Jesus tell you that really one thing is necessary. Mary chose the good portion back then. Would you choose the good portion now?
Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for this clear word. Um, So many of us struggle with busyness. So many of us struggle with having no time and we confess that we have left you on the margins and cut you out of our lives. We're sorry. Please forgive us. Jesus, help us starting today. If we haven't before, help us starting today as we worship to do it because you deserve it. Help us to worship you. Um, Help us to spend this day unplugging from our busyness, unplugging from the economy, from entertainment. Help us to pray and to play um, with the community around us, with the friendships and the relationships that we have to enjoy. Thank you that once a week you remind us of this. You remind us of what's really important. Thank you for wanting to spend time with us. Oh, Jesus, I pray that as we close this series, that we would all be making small steps to taking this day off and making it sacred. Help us, Lord, to not steal what you have, from what you've graciously given to us. When you come out weekly to meet us, help us to be there excited and eager to spend time with you. And Jesus, I thank you for the rest that you give to us and the rest that you offer all who will come. For those who are here and don't know you, Jesus, would you help them to know that there's nothing that they can do that needs to be done other than to trust you and to confess their sins. Let them come asking you for rest and forgiveness and let them know your grace and your forgiveness. All of this, Lord, we pray that we would live differently so that you would be honored, so that we would be renewed and we'd bring that renewal into the city for your glory. Amen.